with your glory right now. Kotaraba sandara mafiata. Robatala masakayenda masiriandala masherebiandara masaya. Do it right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. So, ladies, I pray that wherever you go and whatever you do, there is no question who you who you are, who you belong to, who you're madly in love with. And um, that's what this song is about. I'm looking up something I want to read to you. Yeah. So I'm having just like a weird moment because God is speaking to me as I'm in front of you. Um, I don't know if you can see what's happening. Uh, Jeremiah says you can't, but I wish you could because I'm having this freaky moment where something that I was going to teach on tonight is happening (laughs) in front of me. And as I'm looking at the screen here, I'm glitching. Um, I'm glitching. And it reminds me of the the um, cartoon Wreck-It Ralph, where the, the little girl glitches. And that's exactly what I'm seeing. So I don't know if you can see this, but I can. And it is highly distracting me in the natural. But more than anything, it's distracting my spirit because you can't make this stuff up. I was about to talk about time, and this is part of it. And I'm actually watching it happen before me because a glitch is when there's a sudden interruption or malfunction in something that is functioning normally. And a glitch in time, it's almost like that movie that was a book, A Wrinkle in Time. It's like this place, well, what's happening right now in front of my face is I'm, I'm, my timing is off from what I'm saying. And a glitch almost moves you forward more quickly. And it's it's quick and it's sudden, but it changes everything. And um, we're going to talk about time tonight. So I'm sorry, this is just a really crazy moment, but this is what we're experiencing in the spirit. There's just glitches in our earthly schedule right now because there is a divine interruption from heaven. Um, our earthly schedules, our earthly clocks, even our earthly understanding of time right now, it's glitching. And I'm, I'm watching this happen on my screen in front of me. It's glitching because heaven is interrupting. And if you've ever watched a news report or a television show, sometimes there'll be a glitching or a malfunction in order for a special bulletin to come in and interrupt and make an announcement. So you can be watching your favorite show and all of a sudden it can be interrupted um, by a more important message for that moment, something that's more important than what you're watching and something that comes from a higher authority than your cartoon. You know, whoever sponsored the cartoon you're watching or the talk show you're watching, whoever owned the station or the emergency broadcasting um, network has the authority to override that programming and interrupt it for a more important message. And I could not better demonstrate what I'm going to talk about tonight than we are in a season where our schedule is glitching. And it's because a higher power, heaven, is interrupting the regularly scheduled program for some really exciting, important things that are happening. Your regularly scheduled programming of your daily life is glitching because heaven has something better 
to say and do and he and heaven needs our attention. So I don't know if this makes sense to you. I hope I can teach this way because I'm seeing this in front of me. But so um, I'm going to talk about day 17 of the Omer and we're actually going somewhere different, but I've got to lay a foundation, almost like I'm preaching a message. And if we don't get through, we'll do part one and part two because uh, I'll be back with you tomorrow night. Um but I want to talk about, I wrote a title at the top of this teaching tonight called The Kingdom Clock. And um, we're, there's, there's always been an earthly clock that started ticking from Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to take some time as we study the kingdom and, and actually look back at the establishment of the garden uh, where we see God's original intent for all things. But if you go back to Genesis, that's where God established day and night. And and that's where we get this whole counting of the Omer in the evening because in Genesis, God says the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the second day. And I don't know how we got that flipped, but to God, evening and morning are one day and, and, and we start in the morning, um, which is, is pretty typical for how we handle time in the natural. It's usually completely opposite opposite of God's timing. It's usually very different. And if you try to understand God's clock um, with the same um, carnal, fleshly confinement of what you interpret your earthly clock to mean and say, you're going to miss revelation because God operates outside of time. He operates outside of a 24-hour day, a seven-day week, a 365-day year. God operates outside of that. He he, time is within him. Time is something that he placed upon us, but he doesn't operate within it. He can enter into this place called time, but God is outside of time because he is the one who was, who is, and the one who is to come. And he is history, present, and future, and can actually be in all those places at the same time, is not confined by it. If you ever got a hold of this revelation, it's why you would live a life um, free of regret, uh, pre your salvation, that God can redeem lost moments and redeem lost things and uh, redeem lost opportunities because he can stretch back into the past and bring it into the present and he can reach into the future and warn you in your present. We are confined to present. We live in the present and we have a memory of the past and we make plans for the future. Okay, but God is in the past. He is in the moment. And he is in the future and has already been there. Okay. Um, in fact, God works end back to the beginning. So just like we got the, the evening in, in Genesis when God said the evening and the morning are the first day. And we got that flipped around. And now we do morning and the evening. We kind of flipped around the way God works. We work opposite of him. We start and we work to finish. But God finishes a thing. <laughs> it's finished before it starts. And, and then he brings us into that finished plan. The best way I know how to explain it in my very non-theological brain is it would be as if I went ahead of my child somewhere, let's say 
Well, I have a really clear childhood memory of this. I'll never forget the first time it snowed and I remembered it in my hometown. And I was only three feet tall, so it went up to my past my waist. It might not have been that deep. I was just little. And I remember wanting to play in the snow so bad, but it was so deep to me. I could get stuck, okay? And my dad went out into the yard in the snow and he made a path. And then he came back and he got me. And I walked the path with him. So the path wasn't new to him. It was new to me. He already walked it all the way to the end, but he came back to bring me along. That's kind of like it. It would really be more like my dad making a path for me and me beginning to follow his voice and my dad backing up to me, coming back to where I was. God works in from the beginning. When you really believe that and you really trust that, worry leaves your life. Because everything you're worried about that's ahead of you, God has already been there. And you can trust Him. And everything behind you that you're worried about, He's already been there too. And He can redeem anything behind you. Which is why He says, what does it merit you to worry? Because you're confined to the present. You can't do anything about what you're worried about. But I have the power to go back and go forward and meet you in the present and and restore what's behind you and lead you safely in front of you. I am the beginning and the end. And your work, your life was finished before you took your first breath. Well, how do you know that, Pastor Devin? Because... David wrote in the book of Psalms, when I was in my mother's womb, you wrote a book about me, about the days of my life. Meaning when I was just a conceived embryo in my mother's belly, God finished my book. And before I ever took my first breath, it was done. And at 40 years old, so there I'm admitting it, at 40 years old, God's already been to my last breath. And if I trust him, he'll get me from point A to point B, exactly how he wrote. It, it will help you change how you pray when you believe that God actually has a book written about you. And I didn't intend to go here. I don't know who I'm helping with this, but he, the word actually says he saw your substance. I, I will look that up for you. He saw your substance. I'm going to look that up around about, here we go. He, he actually saw your substance. Ah. Psalms 139. Let's just go there for a second. Somebody needs to hear this because I don't want to start talking about time and everybody start getting fearful and worried and anxiety. You don't have to. It's it's already done. We just have to trust him. But let me uh, read Psalms 139 to you. One of my favorite Psalms and I didn't have it marked. So. so, for it was you, I'm reading from verse 13. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So let me help somebody right now who struggles with worry and fear and anxiety and control. God did not even need your conscious thinking mind 
to create you. He didn't need your help or your participation. When he knit you together in your mother's womb, you didn't even know your name, who you were. You have no memory of it. You had no idea what gender you would be, what color hair you would be, because God did that all by himself. And I promise you, he is able to complete what he starts. He is a finishing God. And if he started it without you, he can sustain it without you. And he can finish it without you worrying. All you got to do is obey. That's the key word today is obedience. All you got to do is trust and obey. He's got you. He's got this. It's already done. Nothing takes him by surprise because God is the ultimate story spoiler. He's read your last chapter before you started your first chapter. He's not caught off guard by anything happening right now. It was already in your book. You just got to trust him. And it says this. My bones were not hidden from you or my substance actually is a better translation. This is not a good translation. If you go look at it in the original Hebrew, it says my substance was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. So here's for my planners and my non-planners. God is the ultimate planner. For those of you freaking out about change schedules, missed plans, you feel lost, you can't remember what day it is, you don't know how to plan for the future because nobody can tell us when the country's going to open back up or when we're going to be able to do things. Maybe you're stressing over plans, but God is the ultimate planner. He's already beat you to the punch. And it says this, all my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. It's too late to worry. It's too late to worry. God has finished it over your life. And all you have to do is pray according to that book and obey the Lord and trust that his direction is because he sees the end from the beginning. If you struggle, so if, if you don't know, I'm, I'm so everywhere today. I'm literally glitching as I talk to you. But day 17, if you've done your uh, reading out of the book of Psalms, day 17, the focus is obedience. And today our focus will be primarily on obedience. And why if you understand that God has sealed the end before the beginning. He's read the end of your life. He formed you without your help. He brought you forth. You're alive right now. I know you may think you've kept yourself alive. I need to talk to my survivors out there. Some of you who have been to hell and back and and, and you feel like you kept yourself alive. I'm not saying that you're not a fighter and that you didn't do good, but the last 20 minutes that I've been talking, you haven't been telling your heart to beat. The last three minutes that I was reading scripture, you didn't tell your lungs to breathe. You didn't tell your brain to function. You didn't tell your kidneys to work. You didn't tell your liver to work. You are alive because somebody else is doing all that for you. And it's the God who made you and made your body to work that way. So can we just breathe and trust? And and the old song says, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to just trust and obey. So when the world seems to be glitching all around us, 
We, we might feel the stress of it. We're human. We might wrestle emotions, but I'm here to tell you, you can have joy and happiness and trust that when time glitches, God's clock never glitches. God's clock never fails. He is always on time. I don't know how many of you have kids or have ever watched the Polar Express, but if you ever notice, the conductor's watch can't be late. He keeps acting like he's going to be late, but it can't be late. It's always on time. And God's clock is never late. He's never late. And so I want to talk about this kingdom clock and obedience today. So I am part of my prayer today and um and I want to begin to pray it over us, is right now in this season in the kingdom, it's really important that you're a good timekeeper, that you're a good watcher. Um, and that's so funny because Jesus, when he spoke of the end times and even as he was nearing the end of his earthly life, he kept telling his disciples, watch and pray. Be a watcher. That means not only close your eyes and pray, but be attentive to what's happening around you. Be aware. Be sober. Be knowledgeable, not ignorant. Watch and pray. Some of us don't have either down. Some of us are very knowledgeable, but we don't pray. Some of us pray, 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 but we are unaware of what's taking place around us. And Jesus let us know when he went into the garden to pray and left the three there, he wanted them to watch and pray. And in this hour, you have got to learn, ladies, to watch and pray. There is no off time right now in the kingdom and no season that you have a license to unplug from kingdom occurrences. That does not mean you can't unplug from the chaos of society around you. But there is no time right now. This is not the time to unplug from the wall of prayer and and reading the word reading prophetic words, talking with God, and being in tune in the Spirit. And and you've got to be aware, not just pray. We need to watch. Jesus wanted his disciples to be aware of what was happening because it was an epoch time. And, and we're going to talk about that because it's what uh, Kevin preached on this morning. And I want to allude to that some on day 17. And isn't it funny that the word watcher, to be a watcher or a watch, is actually the word we use for our clock, to be aware of what time it is. Most of us are extremely aware of what time it is, but we are not aware of what time it is. We are aware of what time it is on our natural clock, but we are oblivious until someone else tells us what time it is on God's clock. And I love, I love reading uh, prophetic words from others. And I love um, hearing prophecies and and sermons and what other people are hearing in prayer. Uh, God will never reveal everything to one person. We're a body with many parts. Um, And he doesn't reveal everything to me. And, And sometimes he'll use someone else too. But... We cannot become dependent on someone else to tell us what time it is all the time. God also wants you to be an anointed watcher or an anointed 
clock keeper. It's not about getting on Facebook Live at 8 o'clock at night and saying, okay, what's going on today? Pastor Devin's going to tell me. Or turning on your favorite prophet or teacher or preacher and being like, man, I just, I don't know what's going on in the spirit right now. I need somebody to tell me. And it's not bad. Sometimes I'm at the mall and I have to ask somebody, excuse me, can you tell me what time it is? But there's nothing like having your own watch your own ability to know what time it is. And if there's anything I'm praying today, it's for you to have a keen, sensitive, heightened understanding of God's clock that's ticking. It's it's work. He's working all around you. I go back uh, to Pastor Jojo's prophetic song. I used it in the last 12 days we did where we were singing um, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, that is who you are. And she began just prophetically singing, you work around the clock, you work around the clock. And, And so God is always working because his clock is different than ours. He doesn't sleep at night. He doesn't stop because he's tired and, you know, God doesn't get worn out like we do with with serving in the kingdom or prayer or he doesn't get sleepy. He doesn't get hungry. He doesn't have a need. He's always working and he's patient with us because we're flesh. Even, Even the night that Jesus asked his disciples to watch and pray, they fell asleep. And Jesus was, you can tell he's either grieved or frustrated, but he does show them grace. And he says, could, could you not watch with me one hour? Because in that moment, Jesus was preparing for the cross. And he was all God and all man. But at that moment, the God was speaking out of the man. He, he was not on earthly time at that moment. He knew his hour had come. See how he talked according to time? My hour has come. Jesus knew that there was this heavenly alarm clock, an appointment that he was born for. And although it was late on the natural clock and the disciples are like, Jesus, can we do this tomorrow? We're really sleepy. Jesus is like, no, no, there's no off season right now. Don't you know what time it is? Could you not watch with me just one hour? And they didn't get it. And they fell asleep. And after he came back a couple of times, finally, he just said, just let them sleep. That's what the word says. He just let them sleep. And he said these words, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And it breaks my heart because the truth is, if I was there that night, I probably would have fallen asleep on Jesus. Let me plug up to some power. I saw my power mode come on. We want to think that we were super spiritual, but the truth is I probably would have fallen asleep too. And it grieves my heart. And I've often prayed, Father, I want to be a good watcher. I don't want to be asleep at an hour you need me to pray and watch. I don't want to be a watchman on the wall that falls asleep when the enemy's coming in or when there's good news to report. Father, I don't want to be so bound and worn out by my earthly clock that I cannot stay in tune with heaven's clock. And during this time, during this this quarantine, it's as if our clocks have stopped. And I know some of you are still working outside the home. Some of you are medical professionals. Some of you are working inside the home. I'm by no means saying everyone's just sitting around doing nothing. But time as we knew it, it stopped. Schedules as we knew them, they stopped. Planning as as we had thought, it's gone. Our time, the... 
the insignificance of earthly time became so real in these moments. Everything that we thought we couldn't miss and we had to do and everything we put God off for and everything we procrastinated our obedience to Him or our walk with Him for, you know, we always kept pushing God to the side because there were all these things like work and school and sports and ministry and all these things that were pulling at us that we always would push God to the side for. Maybe you didn't do it, but I did at times because we felt like we couldn't stop, that this was so important. Time was so urgent and time was moving so fast. And God, there'll be a time that I have more time. But right now, all of that just stopped. All excuses were removed. And we realized our time is secondary to his and his clock. And if you are a wise woman of fire right now, you will pay more attention to God's clock than your own in this season. And this may not be helping anybody tonight, but that is where my focus has gone and what my prayer has been. It's why I'm on here a ridiculous amount of hours a week and and why you're probably tired of hearing me. I've never invested this much in time in social media or sitting in front of a camera to teach, but there's an urgency of my spirit that anything else I could be doing at this moment is secondary. And I have begun to evolve my daily clock around God's clock. And I am amazed, amazed, amazed at what we're seeing happen. So let me just give you a really, well, no, let me, let me start here. Let me start with teaching. So today is day 17. The focus is obedience And this number 17, um, we're still going back to numbers because the Lord keeps bringing them to me that way. And it actually is associated with the flood of Noah. And so we're going to go there and we're going to see how that relates to where we are right now on God's clock. So if you want to read that story um, in its fullness, you just go to the book of Genesis. I'm going to flip there now and we're not going to read it in its fullness, but I challenge you over the next couple days as we're seeking the Lord and we're counting down the Omer and we're giving him our bread, I challenge you to start reading in the book of Genesis. I hope I can cover the first 11 chapters over the the next um, few days, 40 days, however many left we have together. But um, I want to, I just want to highlight what's going on in Genesis chapter 6 with the flood. And I want to talk about God's timing. So Genesis chapter 7 verse 11. Genesis chapter 6 is about God's assessment of the earth. Remember we talked about with the Tower of Babel, God always inspects what's going on. If you think the work of your hands goes past the inspecting eye of the Lord, you're wrong. Whether it's good works or bad works, God always inspects the work of his children. And again, he is inspecting the earth and he is seeing that man is wicked. And we're going to talk specifically about what was going on that grieved the heart of God. But man is wicked. He appears to Noah the obedient servant, the one who was righteous and found favor in the eyes of God. And he says, I'm going to destroy the earth and I want you to build an ark. And here's exactly how you're going to build it. This is who you're going to bring into the ark. This is what you're going to bring into the ark. This is how you're going to do it. And I'm going to save your family. And then we find in Genesis chapter 7, 
verse 11. My pages are sticking together. The reason why the number 17 is important. It says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, so in other words, Noah was 600 years old. This is really important. Remember 600. Noah was 600 years old. In the second month, which we are in right now, which is pretty cool. Remember, Passover becomes the first month of the year, and we've now crossed into the second month of the year um, on the Hebrew calendar. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, the 17th day, that number 17, on that day, all the sources of the watery depths burst open. The floodgates of the skies were open, and the rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On that same day, Noah, along with his son, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Noah's wife and his three sons, entered the ark with him. And they entered it with all of the livestock, according to their kind. So it was on the 17th day that the floodgates opened and that Noah went into the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. And um, that's what I want to talk about today. Literally on that seventh day, uh, you got to see this. I, I got to, the privilege to go to the ark encounter in Kentucky. We took our students on a field trip. And if you ever have an opportunity to do that and see a life-size ark and, and read everything that's inside of that, it's very educational. It's very incredible. And um, to see it is amazing. But to recognize that it didn't just rain from the sky. It literally, um, the firmament gave way in the sky and the ground broke forth and, and water swallowed up the earth. It was almost like a sandwiching. And so the fountains of the deep sprung up from the ground and the sky broke open flood clouds. So water came from above and below. And there, there's so much to that. And began to flood the earth on the 17th day. And just speaking of the number seven, what's really crazy, I just want to just read this to you. God is telling uh, Noah in verse uh, chapter 16, verse 14, he starts to tell him, look, um, I've decided to put an end to every creature. I'm going to destroy things. Here's how you build the ark. This is what I want you to do. He said, understand. This is so cool. Verse 17. So it's another 17. Verse 17 of chapter 6. God is teaching Moses what's about to happen. Something Moses has... Noah, not Moses. Something Noah has never seen before is rain and flood. He's never seen this. Okay, has God ever spoken to you something that you've never seen before or something that you have a hard time comprehending? Maybe something you've never seen yourself doing or something you can't imagine. God will speak things that that to us that haven't happened yet and we have to be able to trust what he's telling us above our own prior knowledge. God's knowledge is far greater than ours. His ways are far higher than ours. And Noah could have dismissed all of this because he had never seen an ark and he had never seen a flood and rain like that. Um, but he trusted God for even what he didn't understand. That's that's a really big lesson of obedience, that if you always have to understand, you're going to have to have a hard time 
um, following God. Now, it doesn't mean you can't ask God how and what your role is. But if God is always having to prove to you what you don't understand, he's going to have a hard time partnering with you for his will. Look at Zechariah in the temple. Look at uh, Mary. An angel visits both of them. Mary doesn't question God's ability, even though she is really probably confused that a virgin could have a baby. She just asks how. How is this going to happen to me? In other words, okay, this is going to happen, but what are you going to actually do to me to make this happen? Zachariah actually had disbelief and questioned God's ability to do it. And so I guess the first question I would say to you as we focus on obedience today is when God speaks to you to do something or when he tries to share his heart and the secrets of his kingdom with you, how do you respond? Do you always respond by challenging if it's real and, and, and telling basically telling God if you can't understand it in your mindset or you've never seen it before that you can't receive it? Are you able like Mary to receive what you don't understand if God just tells you what what your part is in all of it. And here we find God saying to Moses, understand Noah, 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 Noah. I don't know why I keep saying Moses. Understand Noah that I am bringing a flood, flood waters on the earth to destroy every creature under heaven with the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will die, but I will establish my covenant with you and you'll enter the ark. Listen to this. You're to bring into the ark two of every leaving creature, Two of everything from the birds according to their kind, livestock that will come into the ground. Take them all into the ark with you. Enter your ark in the household. And then he says this for that for what, what Noah will do to worship afterwards. Take seven, here's that number seven, seven pairs, a male and its female of all the clean animals, two of the animals that are not clean, a male and its female, and seven pairs, male and female, of the birds of the sky. That's seven, that's seven. And then it says this, seven days from now, I will make it rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So when God got ready to send the flood, he gave Noah a complete cycle of preparation, seven days. And he brought in seven of all the clean animals, which was the complete cycle for what God would rebirth after the flood. What are you saying here? When God asks you to do something, when he asks you to radically obey him or step out on faith or build a boat or prepare for a flood you've never seen, he gives you adequate time to prepare. He will give you a complete cycle of preparation. He will never push you forward before you're ready and he'll never hold you back when you are. And we see that God gave Noah a complete seven-day cycle and then he entered the flood. So this whole story of the flood is is a reset. It's a time of reset. And and that's actually what we're in right now. We're not in a physical flooding season. God put a, a bow in the sky and said he would never destroy the earth by flood again. But how can we relate to the story of Noah and the flood right now? We are in a resetting season. God is using this horrible virus and in in the the horrible fear that's uh, going throughout our nation and uh, just being quarantined and having things closed down we've talked about this over the past few days um he has used this as a resetting season and we have to ask why it was it's a glitch it's what i'm seeing right now life was going along just fine we were all rolling we were we were following god being busy with our schedules 
doing what we've always done. Some of you are just doing what you've always done, focusing on normal life. And all of a sudden, life glitched, just like my computer screen is doing right now. Life glitched. And out of nowhere, with very little warning, everything changed. And it was as if someone glitched our computer or pushed a reboot button. And we might have lost some things that weren't meant to stay or we might have lost some information. And we have to turn it on and reboot again and restart, reset. Kevin already preached that message. And we see that in the flood. God was grieved over the condition of humanity. And the flood was a reset. So this is what I wrote about the flood waters that came upon the earth. They were destructive and productive at the same time. Kind of like the fiery furnace of the Hebrew children. They were destructive and productive at the same time. They killed some guards and they probably had the potential to kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the end of the fire was that King Nebuchadnezzar and an entire nation gave God glory and acknowledged him as the true and living God. The fire was destructive and productive. And we find here, well, I guess I could even go back to the story of of Moses. Moses was destructive. I mean, Moses, when he was, the, the Pharaoh was killing all the little boys of Egypt. It was extremely destructive. It was very a terrible, difficult time. But had that not happened, Moses' mother would have never released him in the river. She would have raised him as a slave her whole life. That destructive season had a productive end because Moses was put in a basket and ended up in Egypt. And because of that, he was trained to be the deliverer of God's people. He was a bomb in Pharaoh's court. And so this whole season has been as the flood of Noah, as the flood of Noah. Why can I not get these names right? As the flood of Noah, it was destructive but it has been extremely productive. I do not minimize that this sickness has been horrible, that people have died. Some of you may have been sick with it and and you can say it was a horrible experience. Some of you may have had loved ones that were sick or died and no one denies that this virus has been horrible. The flood was horrible and it's been destructive to our mental health, to our bodies, to our economy, to family lives, to marriage celebrations, to to all kinds of things. It's been destructive. But don't miss that God can make destructive things productive in the end. And there are some very productive things that have been established in this season that we can't lose when we get off the boat. When Noah and his family got off the boat, it was the ultimate clean slate reset of all of humanity. And God had a plan and a purpose to implement through their lives. And they could not walk out of the boat and ever go back to how life was before the flood came. And I'm here to tell you with every reset There is a resetting of time and agenda and a schedule, a realignment. If I could go back to the plumb line we talked about at the very beginning, a realignment with heaven's clock. And as this uh, pandemic begins to maybe dissipate some or wherever, whatever community you're living in, maybe life begins to, to open up as normal. Don't ever 
return to normal. Don't let this destructive time just remain destructive and not change and allow it to be productive. Allow the glitch to be a time that resets you and reboots you to be a good watcher and a good keeper of God's clock. Don't get off the boat after this and just try to rebuild the same schedule, the same life, the same house before the flood. Because there was a reason why that destruction had to be productive. And I'm here to tell you, there is a reason why God wiped our schedules and changed the way we do church and challenged us on how we do community and shut us up in our house. And we had to reflect and, and have a lot of introspective time. And we had to adjust and things that we thought were important fell to the wayside and things that we weren't paying attention to now became our focus. There's a reason. And it's because we have entered a season like none other on God's clock. We have entered an epoch season, which I will go back and review a little bit from what Kevin said today. God allowed a glitch. He allowed a reset, however uncomfortable it was, however the destructive the enemy had planned. God used all of that negative working of the enemy to destroy and kill God is about to make it productive and he is using the glitch and the shutdown and the breakdown as a moment to reset us. So it gives the church an opportunity. It gives the bride the opportunity to reset our clocks to heaven's clock. Okay. When, when your power glitches, even if it happened to us the other day, even if your power just glitches for five seconds and goes off, every clock in your house has to be reset. It is so annoying. Microwave clock, stove clock, alarm clock on your nightstand. All it takes is just a couple seconds for the power to glitch and everybody's clock is flashing. 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and you have to intentionally go and reset it. That's the moment we're in is that there was a glitch of earthly time. There was a glitch of earthly schedule. There was a divine interruption. And on the 17th day of counting the Omer, I want to point our attention to the divine interruption. 17 points us back to the destructive yet productive interruption of the flood. 17 represents the day it all changed. 17 represents the moment the floodgates opened. The moment Noah and his family entered an ark. And from that moment, time would never be the same. Life would never be the same. Nothing would return to normal. That was the ultimate reset. 17 reminds us of the moments that change everything. And I'm here to tell you, you and your family are living in a moment a 17 moment. You are living in a moment that changes everything. And if you only focus on the destruction and you fight to go back to what it used to be, then you miss the divine opportunity for God to work all things for your good. Because what we can do now is rebuild according to God's clock. Anytime you're given a blank slate, a tabula rosa, a blank slate. It is an opportunity to not compete for space, not compete for time, not compete for schedule, but a blank slate is an open opportunity 
for new things to be placed on the board. And you, my friend, have been given somewhat of a blank slate. We all have. And as we begin to rebuild, it is as if we're walking off the boat. It is as if we're getting off the boat of Noah. We're looking around thinking, what just happened? I mean, we're not completely off the boat. We're still in the middle of this. But we're like, what just happened? I I can't exactly remember what life was like 40 days ago. I can't see what's familiar anymore. The landscape looks different. I especially need to talk to my friends here in this community, Hamilton County, and, and thinking of a glitch is the storms that happened right in the middle of this. I drove to my parents' house yesterday, and the landscape doesn't even look different. Where there were trees, there are no trees. Where there were forests, I can see houses I never saw before. When you come into our community because of that night, that one, five, 10, 15 minute period where a tornado tore across our city, it was one of those destructive moments that changed the landscape of what our community looks like. And I'm here to tell you this season of quarantine has been a moment that can potentially forever change the landscape of our households and of our nation. And the enemy, he is always lurking at those moments. Any glitch, any reset, any Kairos-Kronos intersection where I'm going to talk about The enemy always lurks in those moments because he knows it's divine opportunity for download from heaven. He knows it's divine opportunity and the purpose of heaven to bring alignment and and to release a reboot and a refreshing. He knows how God turns all things together for the good. And so he tries to intersect those moments of divine reset and only bring destruction and prolong destruction and make destruction go further and farther, go farther than it ever has to go and make destruction the only focus. And he wants you to walk off the ark only thinking about what you lost. He wants you to walk off the ark only grieving what was instead of walking off the ark like Noah did and he took those animals and he built an altar and he worshiped the Lord because instead of grieving over what he lost, he is worshiping because of what he was rescued from. He worshiped. And the enemy wants you to focus on what you've lost, whether it's because of the virus, whether it's because of the storms or whatever else life may bring you. The enemy will come in in these moments of destruction when God is going to try to come in and work it for your good and bring a divine reset and bring you a tabula rosa and let you come into alignment with his will and timing and exponentially um, rapidly increase the restoration process. God comes in to do all that. The enemy tries to meet at that intersection and keep your focus on destruction and despair and keep you looking back and mourning over a form season instead of looking at Kevin Kevin's Kevin heaven's clock and being in tune for what God wants to do now and some of you have to stop mourning what was lost and start tuning your ears to heaven for what is to be gained in this moment and I declare we've got to come off this boat not weeping but worshiping.
We've got to come off this boat, not thinking about what was, but focused on what is to come. And I just want to encourage you on this day 17, we reflect on the day that changed everything. You can think of many days in your life that changed everything. And we focus and we recognize that we have just gone through a season, our nation, the nations of the earth, your community. We have gone through a season, a 17 season, a season that changes everything and how we respond with obedience or with rebellion. How we respond determines what happens next. Because when you come out of a great season of loss, you're either going to worship and obey or you're going to be bitter and rebel. Okay, I'm going to say that again. When you come out of a season of loss, when you exit the boat after a flood, you're going to either get bitter over what you've lost and rebel or you're going to come off worshiping Thanking God for what you have been saved from instead of just focusing on what you've lost. And you're going to walk in obedience and submission to Him. Obey, obey, obey. And obedience is greater than sacrifice. And so I'm going to close with this. And I'm going to have to make this a two-part teaching because I barely touched the 10 pages of notes I have. (laughs) But I want to talk about obedience and then we'll go back uh, tomorrow and we'll look more about how this, um, the symptoms of the days of Noah. The symptoms of the days of Noah is what we'll, we'll talk about tomorrow. But obedience is necessary. So I, I want to draw this for you and I'll be done. I wish I had a better way to do this, but I, I, sometimes you can't describe things. You just have to show them. So Kevin read this morning, uh, I'll, I'll read the text to you um, from Matthew 16 and 2. And it's also actually Acts 1 and 7. Actually, 1 and 7 was the text to use, Acts 1 and 7, where Jesus said, it's not really yours to know the times and the seasons or the times and the epoch moments, these moments that change everything. What are they? And instead of giving you a theological definition, I'm going to try to draw Devin Wallace's unauthorized definition of what's happening right now. So if I draw a horizontal line, I hope you can see this, just, you know, it goes along the horizon. That's the difference between horizontal and vertical. I can call this chronos time. C-H-R-O-N-O-S. This is your clock on your cell phone or your nightstand clock or your watch or your daily planner. This is earthly, natural time. It is linear time. It moves from beginning to end. Okay? And we go along and we walk out Kronos time. And God meets with us in our Kronos time, walking daily with Him, living life. And then you have those glitch, divine interruption moments. Like I'm watching on my computer screen. Right now, there's no explanation for what's happening. Chad may give me one. But there's just something messing with the normal operation of our Kronos time together. And it's a signal coming from heaven. So you've heard a teaching on Kronos and Kairos, I'm sure. If you haven't, Kairos, I misspelled it. Let me, it's K-Y-R-O-S. You can look this up yourself. Learn to study yourself. Don't just depend on me. Kairos time. 
okay? Kairos would be a vertical line, this line in the middle. And that's when heaven invades our chronos time. Something from heaven is on schedule for the earth. And so there has to be a divine interruption or intersection with our regularly scheduled program because heaven has something that fits in this, this time frame. It, it's something eternal. It's something of eternal value. Kairos time, I can't point. Kairos time always has eternal value. Kairos time is always bigger than Kronos time, but it will intersect with Kronos time in our lifespan for us to have Kairos moments that affect us for eternity. Okay, and it's why these intersections, I'm going to draw a big circle and a dot. Those can't be ignored, ladies. There we are. Those can't be ignored. When you live according to Kronos time, the fruit of Kronos time can be temporal. It can live and die with you. It, it can be temporal. But Kairos moments always have eternal value. They always. And I'm just here to tell you, Kronos time should always bow to Kairos time. Kronos time should always bow to Kairos time. It's why I believe the Lord instituted feasts because he was trying to give divine revelation and I believe those feasts, the moon and the stars align with the feasts. Go study the seven feasts and see what happens to the sky. Heaven aligns because God wanted to intentionally make us stop our Kronos time to honor his Kairos time. And some of you are missing kingdom moments because you won't let your Kronos time bow to God's Kairos time. And Jesus sat over the city of Jerusalem and he wept. God cried. He wept over Jerusalem and he said, you missed your time of visitation. In other words, heaven came down in the form of Jesus and and Israel missed it. They, they never missed a beat on their chronos schedule. But they missed heaven's intersection. And they missed a moment that's still affecting them today. And when you miss kairos moments, you miss more than a 30-minute appointment on your calendar. You miss moments of eternal value. And when you hit Kairos moments, when you honor them, when you tune into them, you can gain more than what your entire life of Kronos time can produce in your life. Oh gosh, this is just, I, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. I can have one encounter with God and it changed my entire Kronos lifespan. Do you hear that with spiritual ears? God can invade my little calendar, my little clock, my little 24-hour-a-day period. And in five minutes, He can change my entire Kronos schedule for the good, if I will allow Him. And so, let me draw this again. Because this is what, I, what I'm seeing in my spirit. I'm prophesying through picture and I'm not an artist. And if you're an artist and you could draw this, this would be awesome. I would love to see this vortex. 
I keep hearing the word vortex. And if any of you have heard that in your spirit, I would love to know the word vortex. And I don't say that lightly because I know we've been having tornadoes. But um, that's what I keep hearing and seeing in my spirit. I saw it first and then I asked the Lord, what is that? It's a mass of whirling fluid or air like a whirlpool or a whirlwind. In other words, if it's it can be water or air, a vortex. If it's in water, it produces a whirlpool. And if it's in air, it produces a whirlwind. I keep seeing this vortex. It is a, a, force, a forceful movement. And this is what it looks like in my spirit. Chronos time. Okay. This is so pitiful, but, oh, I, I don't know how to use this camera. Chronos time, this linear line. And then an opening, maybe like a vortex, almost like a warp zone. I preached on this one time, but, you know, I used to play Mario Brothers when I was a kid. And you could go down these tubes, and they were warp zones. And if you hit a warp zone, you could skip worlds. Like you could skip worlds and go way ahead in the game. That's that's literally what this is like. It's like a vortex that sucks you into a warp zone. And it opens up in a Kairos moment. And this is an epoch season. <laughs> this warp zone. This tunnel. This is what I'm seeing in the spirit. That right now we are in an epoch season. Don't miss your warp zone. Don't miss the vortex of heaven. Don't get stuck in Kronos time and get left in the dust of what heaven is doing. Don't get stuck ages and worlds behind in the spirit. Because when I played Mario Brothers, when you found where the warp zone was, you could beat the game because you could skip beyond worlds that would kill you or worlds that were very hard. It was like cheating, but it was legal. This is like cheating in the kingdom. <laughs> God is opening up these warp zones, these vortexes that if you will watch and catch it, if you will hear what heaven's saying and you will obey in the warp zone, you will be accelerated and launched ahead in the spirit in alignment with God's timing. God is light, y'all. God is light. Light is God. And just to throw it in there, they're finding out that light therapy actually kills this virus. Light therapy sanitizes everything. And, and that's just so spiritual in itself because if God is light and God is healing and light heals, then that all makes sense. Light should heal everything. And maybe that's where medicine is going. Maybe light therapy is going to heal everything. But God is light, okay? Light is not slow. Light is very fast, in fact, the speed of light, I'm sorry, I've not had um, science in a while, is 299,792,458 miles per second. And God is light. So, He moves very fast. And the kingdom is always moving very fast. And 
these these epochs and these vortexes are moments to jump on God's calendar. Moments of acceleration that are beyond your gifts, beyond who you know, beyond who your natural ability, where it can take you, beyond where your money can take you. It's advancement in the kingdom. It's advanced placement in the kingdom at the speed of God, not the speed of man. Some of you have been moving at the speed of man far too long. Oh, the Spirit is just wailing up in me with this. I prophesy to you, some of you are about to stop moving at the speed of man. And you're about to start moving at the speed of God. Devin, are you saying I'm going to move at the speed of light? No, no, no. I'm just showing you how God fast, fast God can go. I'm saying you're about to start moving according to God's calendar, God's clock, God's time instead of yours. And you really like your planner. You really like your calendar. You really like your schedule and you like your five-year plan. But like I said, if you'll just throw it away, there's this epoch season, this vortex that if you will take the warp zone of heaven, God is about to fulfill your five-year plan in the next five months. God's about to fulfill your 10-year plan in the next year because you're going to stop moving at human speed and you're going to start moving at the speed of the kingdom, at God's speed, and God will accelerate. He will accelerate promotion. He will accelerate harvest. He will accelerate restoration. And it requires you hitting these epoch moments, these Kairos moments. You cannot miss them. Back to what I said at the beginning of this lesson, you have to be a good watcher. Jesus said, you ought not be ignorant. He did not want them to be ignorant of times and seasons. Jesus said it in the book of Matthew. He said, look, the sailors look at the sky at night and they say, oh, the weather's going to be such and such tomorrow. It's going to be a good day for fishing or it's going to be a bad day for fishing. Yet we look at the sky and we are ignorant that Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. We're going to spend several days talking about this. Do you recognize the sky is screaming it? We've had all of these planetary alignments. We've seen the moon and and the super moon. I'm telling you, we are in an epoch season. and, And creation is aligning for the epoch season. Will you? Will God's people? Because you can't afford to miss these moments. God is has glitched our schedule to interrupt it. For heaven's schedule. He has glitched even the schedule of the church. His bride, the local church and the church at large. He has glitched the schedule. He has interrupted our regularly scheduled programming. Because he is about to interject an important announcement. An important download. Important plans. A harvest we weren't planning for. Peter had been fishing all night and Jesus interrupted his regularly scheduled programming for an epoch moment. And he said, cast your net on the other side. And Peter caught something he wasn't prepared for. And I'm here to tell you, hear the word of the Lord. God is interrupting our plans 
because something big is about to happen. Something earth-shaking, nation-moving, church-expanding, kingdom-coming is about to happen. It's going to be epic, which is how you describe an epoch season. Welcome to the epic season of God. We are going to see, I just prophesy, expansion of the kingdom, multiplication of the soul of souls, signs, wonders, and miracles. Governments are about to shift. What is happening right now in the world is only the beginning of birth pains that we are about to see uh, take place. I know, I know we don't know what's happening in North Korea right now. I know that unless something's been released since I started, there's many reports about what could have happened to Kim Jong-un, but we don't know. Uh, But I'm here to tell you there is something shifting over that nation. We will in a few days know. If you read the prophecy of Kim Clement, then we probably already know. I'll try to post it. I'm here to tell you something shifting there. Venezuela's next. Kevin prophesied it last night in our bedroom and and I've been praying it all day. You hear the word of the Lord. Venezuela, hear the word of the Lord. I speak to the nation of Venezuela. You will shake. You will shake. You will shake into alignment with the kingdom of God. I declare Venezuela come into alignment with the kingdom of God. I declare birth pains are, are coming forth over Venezuela. There is a harvest to be won there. There is a remnant crying out in Venezuela, I declare the cries of the remnant have reached the throne of heaven and God will shake the heavens and shake the earth over Venezuela for the freeing of his people and the establishment of his kingdom. I'm here to tell you, you better buckle your seatbelt and hold on tight because we are about to jump on, jump into a warp zone in the spirit and we are about to enter God's timing and we are about to see things I has not seen and hear things ear has not heard. We have not seen a season like this in the earth yet and it is just the beginning. We will see the wonders of God among us and all you got to do is buckle in by obedience. You buckle your seatbelt by obedience unto Yahweh. And so I will go into obedience more tomorrow and and more here. I just feel like we need to soak this in and I, I hope it even made sense. But I want you to be a watcher. I want you to be aware of what is happening in the spirit around you. Maybe if your awareness of of what you're going to do next week diminished just a little bit and enough time for you to ask God, what is happening, Father? And you're going to be surprised that He will talk to you. And we're about to see an unveiling of the kingdom that we've never seen before. Just like we have already seen circumstances we've never seen before. I just need to wait on him a moment. I'm like trying to talk out of my mind and my spirit stirring at the same time. And it's like two voices talking at the same time. We're in an epic moment. Ladies, let that soak in. Behold the epic season of the Lord and your chronos time, a vortex, a warp zone has just opened up between earth and heaven. Watch and jump in by your obedience. Jump in. Jump into the speed of heaven. 
jump into the speed of God. I pray this over these ladies right now, Father, that these women of fire will be caught up in your fiery vortex of this epic season. Father, we ripped our calendars up by faith. Now you fill them in with heaven's agenda. Release dreams, visions, prophetic words about what's happening. Let us be on your clock. I pray we would hear the ticking of heaven's clock more than we hear our own clock. That we would hear the alarms of heaven's clock. I just, I declare either it's going to happen or some of you have already been woken up thinking an alarm was going off on your clock and it wasn't. And you didn't know what was happening. That was a, that was a spiritual moment. That was heaven's alarm. Letting you know there's a timetable that is above yours. There's a clock that's above yours. Tune into heaven's clock and let your chronos time bow, 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 bow to heaven's time. Let your chronos time bow, bow, bow to heaven's time. You can't afford to miss this. You cannot afford to miss this warp zone. You cannot afford to be ignorant during this season. You cannot afford to turn a deaf ear and to do as they did in the days of Noah, which is what I was going to start with and I'll end with. In the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking and being merry and getting married. Some of it was bad. Some of it was just life. They were busy. They were so enamored by Kronos time that they missed the moment and the flood was upon them and they weren't ready. But Noah, as he lived Kronos time, he was preparing for the Kairos moment. As he lived Kronos time, he was walking in obedience for the epic season that was coming. Don't get so distracted by this that you miss this epic season. Okay. And so this is how you prepare. I hope you formed your candlestick. It's Sunday. I would love to hear some messages of those of you who've got your seven on seven prayer group that are going to try to pray once a week together in some way if you can, but I'll take once a month. I'm still glitching this. I wish you could see this. But I hope you've got your, your candlestick, your fiery candlestick, seven in one, a unified prayer group. Use that group to bounce off one another, dreams, visions, words from the Lord. You'll be surprised how God will give each of you pieces to a puzzle to build a, a collective uh, revelation of what he's saying. You need this group. Yes, you do. The ones of you that are saying, oh, I'm not going that deep. You need this group. You need the encouragement, the connection, the accountability. And God wants to speak to you as a group. The power of agreement is going to open up that vortex over your life. You need this group. So if you haven't built it yet, keep trying to build your group of seven and pray outside of our time together. And know that on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week, we're going to have prayer at noon. So I'll be back with you tomorrow night. Let me close and seal this word. Father, I just thank you for what you've spoken. Please help. Please help my fleshly, limited mind to correctly communicate the truths of your kingdom. And Father, I pray that you would allow every daughter her eyes and her ears to be open to a timetable and a clock and a reality that is far above our own. Let her jump right in to the warp zone of the kingdom in this epoch season. Let us get on your speed, your time, 
accelerate, accelerate, accelerate the work of your hand. And the spirit and the bride cry out, even so come, Lord Jesus.